When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No credentials. Reviewing Rolling Stone 500. Greatest album. Welcome to the jungle. And welcome back to the Sound Logic Podcast. And today, you may have guessed, we're discussing album number 62 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 greatest album list. This is Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. We mentioned at the end of our last episode how strange it is to get to this one because it was, uh, you know, we were just about to record uh, our episode when this new list came out and it's taken us, uh, you know, almost uh, more than a whole year to get back to it, get back around. We're going off of our old document that was prepared um, (laughs) so long ago and that's kind of fun to to remember that uh, moment in time uh, just before then. Uh, it'll be interesting to go through this. Um, we've changed some of yeah. some of the format of what we do, but uh, you know, it's still the same heart and soul here. Much. So we should have fun with it. And the ironic thing, we'll touch on this near the end too, is that uh, even the number on the document, the the yeah. ranking number, hasn't changed right. because it was uh, number sixty-two and sixty-two again. And y- you had said at our last episode, this is one of the few albums that has barely changed. Yeah. Uh, the the king. Uh, or the, the record holder is, of course, Pet Sounds, which has been number two on every iteration. But this one is 61, 61, 62, 62. So for an average of 61 and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> only only change, total change by half, half a rank. So uh, very, very good in terms of consistency. Yeah. I don't know if that really means anything, but... Uh, <laughs> I've got uh, some thoughts. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to them later on here. Um, sure about this album's longevity but we'll we'll dig into it uh details first i think so yeah yeah let's do that details 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 welcome to the details we've got uh facts and stats (laughs) (laughs) um okay appetite for destruction was released july 21st 1987 uh written credited to guns and roses so the whole band that would i assume would be all five members uh but it's just guns and roses a unique form of um uh collaboration for a band that has had so many troubles since then <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah may, maybe that was part of the issue maybe, right yeah. um, um it charted uh oh i guess i should mention this is their debut album debut uh so impressive that it charted number one in the u.s number five in the uk very impressive uh for any debut album uh sales over uh to date over or at least a year ago when i made this over 
30 million copies worldwide, uh, which is which is quite high. Yeah. Uh, 18 million alone in the U.S. So 18 million in the U.S., 12 million the rest of the world combined. So so not nothing to sneeze at. Whatever we say uh, from here on out about this album, it has been extremely successful, yeah. and in that very high echelon of, of sales numbers, 30 million. Yep. According to, to what I read, this is the best-selling debut album of all time. Amazing. Which, it, it is incredible. I'm trying to think of some other amazing, but there's some uh, debuts, but some of the, the really high-selling albums that we've talked about, Ben, they were, they were not debuts. Um, yeah. I imagine that uh, uh, Are You Experienced was pretty good, but I think that was maybe 15 to 20. Um, million, so I'm I'm kind of making that number up, but I know it wasn't thirty. Yeah. But anyways, um, is the sound of music a debut? debut. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was. Um, uh, and uh, and and also one of the best sung records of all time. Again, I'm probably I, I want to say top hundred. I don't have the list in front of me. Probably top yeah. hundred for studio albums, maybe even higher. Um, it was re-recorded in 1999 with what were the current band members at the time would have been Axl Rose and probably not Slash. Not Slash. Um, and not Slash um, at the time, but they never released it. Yeah. <laughs> they re-recorded the whole album. I don't know if that's been done before. Yeah, there's some or some uh, speculation um, that it still is out there. And in fact, there's a montage in some movie, uh, an Adam Sandler movie, I think, used... Um, like Sweet Child of Mine or something like that, but it wasn't the version from the original. And and some people have, uh, have speculated that he got sort of like insider permission to use the unreleased re uh, remake of the song. So yeah, it's I, I'm not sure if they're sort of holding it in their back pocket for a day when they want to make another pile of money. Um, Slash isn't on it. Huh. And I, I think they have sort of brought him back into the fold now. So I don't know what it would be like to re-release something when you've welcomed someone <laughs> back in. <laughs> Very recently, I just heard it on the radio, like within the last few weeks or months, um, they're they're getting along better now <laughs> or something. Anyways, yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, uh, remastered and reissued in 2018. Yeah. So 31 years later with massive box sets, which is interesting to me in 2018 because the box sets are going the way of the dodo. Yep. With the, with the, we've talked about this. It was, they were huge in the 90s because everybody switched to CD and people who couldn't afford all the vinyls back when they were young in the 60s and 70s now were middle aged and had more money. Yeah. And we're more than happy to go out and spend tons of money on these massive box sets with, you know, artwork and other things and stickers that you couldn't get before. So to have a, a big box set come out is very uh, strange, <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, it, very strange. It, it strikes me that um, Gen Xers are at that sort of like higher mm-hmm. income level mm-hmm. now, and and perhaps yeah. there are still a few hanging on to their actual physical music collections. Um, you know, we've we've talked a number of times about. Uh, you know, vinyls resurgence. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to a CD version, there was also like a 12 LP version of this massive box set too. So, you know, LPs. it's, uh, wow. it's, yeah. it's something it's, uh, it's, it's wild. It's One of the versions right. I think I saw costs a thousand dollars on its uh, day of release. Wow. And I just can't imagine wow. paying that much for, you know, 
anything regardless of what's what's on it uh uh yeah i guess if you're a really hardcore fan and you have a whole lot of extra money <laughs> something that you could stream for free right uh right now i don't i don't know how much of the 75 tracks you can stream now um from that thing like if they kept some like it's the length of the super deluxe is 211 minutes i don't know that you can actually listen to all of that uh on spotify for instance so they may have may have held it back a little bit um but who knows yeah very very interesting i think the grandiose nature of that box set and other things related to this album reflects the, <laughs> the nature of the music yeah 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 <laughs> and, good point and the and the personality and attitude of the band and good its point. members so yeah. uh that makes it makes sense yeah a fairly iconic album artwork and to me what's almost as iconic as the artwork and the picture is the font uh, yeah, because yeah. Uh, the the Guns N' Roses font to me, I I recognize that anywhere. I remember seeing that as as a young boy. Um, you know, I don't remember when this stuff came out, but I remember seeing it in the early '90s, and I think they were doing other albums in the early '90s, yeah. and I recognized that the font, and the colors. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. uh, interesting choices again. Guns N' Roses um, going vertically on the left in yellow. I guess going bottom to top. And then Appetite for Destruction on the other side, yeah. <laughs> top to bottom, so yeah. sideways, so you got to turn your head. Yeah. And in the middle, uh, a stylized cross, uh, kind of a purple color with um, a yellow gold uh, inlay uh, design. And then on top of the cross, five figures, which are the five band members, uh, drawn as skulls uh, with their hair and and various uh iconic headgear especially slash's top hat um, yeah down at the bottom and axel rose's bandana so that's the cover however that was not the original cover the original cover was uh had the same text but a different drawing in the middle and I can't describe it. I'm just going to read <laughs> <laughs> what's written here. Uh, it's a bizarre image. Um, and this is what it is. The, the album's original cover art. Based on Robert Williams' painting, Appetite for Destruction, depicted a robot rapist about to be punished by a metal avenger. Uh after several music retailers refused to stock the album, the label compromised and put the controversial cover art inside replacing it with an image depicting a Celtic cross and skulls of the five band members um, designed by Billy White Jr. Uh, Originally, which was designed as a tattoo, (laughs) uh, each skull representing one member of the band. So um, the image, it's not uh, uh, an obscene image, uh, but it is strange and reminds me of the kind of artwork from this glam rock and the kind yeah. of artwork I would see at the at the fairgrounds in the midway, <laughs> something you would uh, kind of yeah. a sticker or, or temporary tattoo you would win in the mid 90s based <laughs> on some of this. Because I don't know. I remember the, the different prizes. There, Guns and Roses. Yeah always seem to be uh, uh, some sort of prize at the midway, so a Guns N' Roses something, yeah, whether it's a t-shirt, yeah. or I don't, I don't understand the yeah. allure there or the connection. But anyways, that's a memory I have. Well, I forget how you put it. It's not obscene. It, it's sort of obscene. I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, it's clear that there's a woman who's been assaulted and abused. abused. Um, Let me just look at it again. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm looking at it again. So, no, you're right. <laughs> like, it, it, like it's, uh, um, you know, we've certainly seen more gratuitous things on album covers, but I can understand some of the hesitation. Um, oh, of course, uh, of course. And, I, you know what? I was looking at a fairly small thumbnail. I've just enlarged it and uh, uh, reacquainting myself with the image. <laughs> yes, you're, you're right. Yeah, it, it's not. It's certainly not appropriate. Um, but but aside from that, it's just it's just it's just bizarre. Like it's just yeah. strange. But I think it again. I think it fits with the time and the culture and the music. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, as much as it's not necessarily my cup of tea, uh, it is strangely appropriate. I don't. For this what this, uh, is. this is a 1980s album, but man, the sideways mm. font makes me think 90s. Uh, yeah so much and I, I don't know if it's because so many of the bands we then listened to in the 90s kind of borrowed this weird yeah. crowded format from them um uh yeah it's interesting I to so. have i mean this this is a cover i would you know we often ask if it feels iconic to us this is a cover that's instantly familiar and very yeah. recognizable and uh yeah to, to think that it it was sort of second choice is kind of funny now to to think about it that way hmm Makes me wonder if the same would have, yeah, uh, would have happened for the original. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think, kind of immortalizing the the band in this way, yeah. on the cover, I think is pretty, uh, yeah, and I, apropos. I, it almost makes me feel like the band's been around for a while, if they're willing to put, like, <laughs> I don't know, almost like. Um, cartoon stylized skull versions of themselves that are like, uh, like, like we've done that cover makes me think that they've done their time. It doesn't really make me think, Oh, debut album. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that, that, that dynamic that that's at work there, but, um, yeah, who knows? We'll talk about the music. Uh, we'll talk about the tracks track by um, track. No, <laughs> uh, I guess, first of all, I mean, have, have you listened to it before? And I guess the qualifying question is before the first time we prepared. Right, right. <laughs> no. Uh, so I, I've listened. No, me neither. I, I've listened to this, but it was, you know, a year and a half ago when we were prepping. Yeah. Uh, but not not before that. Uh, aside from the singles, I hadn't listened to the album, to the album end to end. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, every once in a while I would get an album like this where... I have never listened to it, but it all seems very familiar, partially because mm-hmm. of how many radio songs there are here. Uh, feels like an album that I assumed I would have listened to before this, but I, no, I had I had not. Um, so it's um, somewhat surprised me that I had not. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, when you when you listened to it, was there anything that surprised you about the music? No. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not Um, surprising at all. It sounds exactly from top to bottom what I would expect. I will say uh, there are a couple of tracks. uh, I think I noticed this maybe uh, the very second second track. It's so easy. Um, I think if I'm I'm just listening to it in my headset now. Mm. There's a bit more of a uh, like a darker tone to his voice. Yeah. Um, 
that I, I, it sounds like it fits with the rest of them, but it it's a little darker maybe, and uh, that's a weird thing to say about a kind of heavy metal band like this. It's generally <laughs> in that space, but uh, that was maybe one surprise that there's there is a bit more variation to their sound than I I assume based on the the songs that I already knew. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with you, and I felt uh, I actually uh, enjoyed uh, Axl Rose's voice a little more when he sang a little lower. Um, oh, actually, yeah. a little more, a little more melodic, and and not quite as uh, grating yeah. <laughs> on the eardrums. Um, uh, yeah, his. I don't know how much. Well, I, I guess we could just talk whatever we want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's interesting to me a band that's known for you know the glam rock which uh, era which is kind of you know the bad boys the leather, uh, drugs, sex, rock and roll, guitars, uh, lots of very rebellious things. Sometimes the 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 music and the way the music is come across to me seems so. Um, childlike and juvenile and almost silly like even in uh, opening drag Welcome to the Jungle you've got all this imagery but then you've got this na, 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 you know kind of like just very silly stuff that like yeah I'm just surprised that that, that crowd that kind of tough mm-hmm. rock and roll crowd gravitated to this and not went this is such a joke you know <laughs> like I'm, I'm I still the one thing I'm trying to figure out and I'm sure there's people who could answer this question very well for me uh, what was the appeal to this music uh, and everything about this album in particular at this time in 1987 that made it a hit? Certainly, Axl Rose is uh, gifted uh, vocally. Certainly, Slash is one of the greatest rock guitarists um, of all time. Uh, and as a, a debut i mean this is this is a guy who knows his stuff yep and can shred with the best of them so that's going to just knock people off their feet when they go check out this new band and go, wow that's crazy yeah um so I, I get all that but put it all together and, and all the different things um i I'm, I'm i know there are other bands that paved the way for this but um, it's just, to me, still astonishing how successful this was and how, and how the music uh, fits in with that kind of rock and roll bad boy image. Well, so a couple things. One, you're right, it is a rock and roll bad boy image, but it's also coming out of the glam rock, which was playing around with gender. And uh, so you've got this, like, big hair femininity combined with uh, machismo lyrics. So it's, I don't know, like that that whole period is weird to me to think about like, you know, kind of really aggressive excess um, mixed with like trying to reimagine what it means to be uh, male and have swagger. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of it. The other part is like, I, I think this is one of these key bands where we really have to work especially hard to figure out what it must have been like in a time before this sound existed. Uh, similar to the the Stones, when we talked about them and have struggled with their sounds, which now is 
sounds like you know four on the floor yeah standard old guy rock uh you know time before that existed is hard to put our heads around I, mm-hmm. and because yeah. this has always existed sort of in our rock minds <laughs> uh mm-hmm. i imagine the uh the aggressive nature of his voice, of the crunching guitars, the even what they're singing about, I think even his screaming um, just must have been like an overwhelming rush of mm. uh, adrenaline. Um, the other, the, the third piece, boy, this is getting a bit like a tangent, but I'm thinking about yeah. like Spinal Tap and how there was this wave of this kind of music, and then it almost became like a caricature. So yeah. that sort of softened it, and it does seem more ridiculous to us now because, you know, we, we've <laughs> we've seen it poked fun at. We've seen the curtain pulled back on it a little bit, and uh, so I think all those, all three of those things combined to sort of make it hard to really get a sense of like how groundbreaking this was. But that's an interesting point too about the Spinal Tap because I agree with you, and and yet Spinal Tap was 84 was three years prior to this i guess that's true yeah uh but but, uh, no i still think your point is valid that even amidst the kind of uh caricature of the metal band and the hard rock scene this still emerges as something i mean you know you talk about the playing with the the kind of the gender and and i although i agree with you there i think also that was the that style was very popular and was very appealing to women at the yeah. time. Uh, for whatever, I'm not about to speculate why, uh, but to for whatever reason, it, that was the end thing. And then these, they were certainly, um, they were rock gods, and they were they were sex symbols. Yep, as well. Uh, which I look at it now, and I have a hard time reconciling that, but but it's a fact. Yep. And um, you know, I yeah, that's in, that's yeah. Still wrap my head around that one. That's an interesting <laughs> one, Ben. Oh, I, I like it though. I, the piece that I think is harder for like I can still press play on Welcome to the Jungle and be like, oh, I understand why this is great. The the piece for me is this album's longevity because hmm. I I think this has aged poorly. And yet I don't think that it's losing momentum in terms of people listening to it. Like, I was just flipping through Spotify right now. Um, Sweet Child of Mine has over one billion listens. One billion. Not one million. One billion <laughs> listens. Like, I, wow. I, it's, it's wow. mind-boggling yeah. to think about. And, you know, Spotify has only existed for, you know, less than a decade. Just one quick correction as I'm editing here. Spotify came out in April of 2006, so it's now 15 years old. I was a little bit off. So these are not people who have been listening to this track since it came out in the late 80s. Um, There's something about this that continues, and I don't know if it's, you know, we're, we're still in a moment where we're wrestling with gender, machismo, swagger, what it means to be young and male and arrogant. So maybe in uh, yeah. sort of alt-right spaces, this this kind of like, uh, you know, uh, weird yeah. kind of metal is still tracking well with the, the life of luxury and excess that these guys were, were singing about. Um, it's That's more perplexing to Absolutely. me than the, 
the what made this great back in the moment uh that it's still tracking feels right. odd to me well i think I, I agree with you i i think there's a demographic um that that still really really uh likes the scene uh-huh um i think some of some of them are you know have have aged along with the record yeah. and and yeah, there are cool. and there are young people there are young people as well who who want to go and experience live rock and roll like this and and kind of experience that life um i wanted to uh touch on something you said sweet child of mine fun fact here um one of their later releases uh november rain which is another huge song mm-hmm. by guns and roses from one of their i think their next album uh they had written and recorded that and we're going to put it on this album <laughs> uh and and the the producer said, um, no, we can't put that on. We've already got a ballad <laughs> and Sweet Child of Mine. Which, there's so many funny things about that to me. Number one, that Sweet Child of Mine is, is a ballad. Yeah, I guess it's slower. <laughs> on this on this record, I guess it could be. But the fact that that's a, sweet, uh, a ballad is hilarious. Number two, um, I guess with that many good songs... You do want to spread it. I think uh, we got a lot of songs here. Let's save some for another album because we're going to do another album. So that makes sense. But uh, it's pretty impressive to me, actually, because November Rain is is a pretty pretty epic song. Yeah. Um, I'm impressed by the amount of really, I mean, Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine, some other great songs on this album, and November Rain. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's... That's a lot of really solid material. You know, hats off to the songwriting yeah. uh, team yeah. there on doing all that. Can you imagine if November Rain was on this album too? <laughs> that's that's pretty. I mean, uh, it's it's not my favorite kind of thing, uh-huh. but <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. Um, well, it was an interesting tidbit <laughs> there. Yeah, but, that's really fascinating. Uh, November Rain was a song that the Shock Monkeys, the cover band I was a part of in college, did. Uh, Peter and Co. were past uh hosts with us and would appreciate getting to this one um, or at least a mention of november rain what i find really fascinating can, wait 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 can you sing us a few bars then? um i've <laughs> i've forgotten most of the lyrics i can't even think about how it how it starts out and i'm now that i think about it i'm not sure that i actually sang that one maybe i did oh okay um uh when i look into oh, your eyes oh, yeah. <laughs> something like something that something like that yeah um anyway that's not this album the the piece that i find perplexing as you mentioned just how good some of these tracks are is that they led with um uh it's so easy and uh, a double a side it's so easy and mr brownstone were the first single released and those are of the five singles the least recognizable to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, this yeah, album yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. fizzled out of the gate. Uh, it was only later on in the year, um, getting into the fall, as we were getting into kindergarten, when it really started to take off. When <laughs> Welcome to the Jungle came out, and uh, and then it took a whole other year for Sweet Child of Mine to come out as a as a okay. single and a okay. whole another uh another calendar got into january 1989 when paradise city was was released wow um, so the they really dragged they it really out. dragged it out and the big tracks like followed kind of a bit of a flop uh, up front so yes they had this gift of creating songs but 
someone goofed a little bit uh, when they were trying to figure out what to lead with and, <laughs> and chose uh, something that didn't do well, I guess. I mean, very interesting, yeah. Um, sometimes, I, I don't know, but sometimes that happens, you know, an album gets out and people just gravitate to certain songs that uh, even, I, I, there's Zeppelin songs that they play on the radio now that were never singles. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all very interesting. Yep. Do you want to pick? Uh, do you want to pick favorites sure. for our Spotify playlist? Yeah. Um, if you're new to this, we do have a playlist on Spotify. It's called Sound Logic Favorites. Every time we review an album, we pick two tracks to go on that playlist. It's quite a diverse and eclectic playlist uh-huh. now, uh, <laughs> with lots and lots of music on it. Uh, ben, you got a favorite here? Um. I think I might go with Night Train. I don't know what it is about that one. Maybe Ooh. because I'm I'm familiar with some of the other ones. Uh, and that one feels just a little, like, familiar, but a little bit different. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... Awesome. I support your choices. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the opening track, Welcome to the Jungle. One thing I, we haven't talked about yet... Um, there are a lot of things about this album and this music that uh, it makes me want to gouge my eyeballs. <laughs> uh, there are some things that I really, really like. Also, uh-huh. uh, the bass playing. I'm. I think I'm really of all the instruments I, I have tried. I think bass is my favorite. And as a bassist, a very amateur bassist, uh, I really appreciate the bass work on this album. Um, uh, Sweet Child of Mine might be the best with the ding, 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 uh-huh. ding, 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 you know, really cool stuff, uh, kind of a pseudo slap sort of thing. Um, but I think that being said, uh, Welcome to the Jungle as well. Uh, great tune, great opening track. Uh, here, still hear it on the radio all the time. Um, I think it, uh, we've talked, I've talked before about, you know, when a opening track, a lead track really paints a picture for what you're going to get on the album yeah. and what you're going to get from the band yeah, yeah. <laughs> really uh, right. uh, it, throughout their whole career I think uh, Welcome to the Jungle does a great job all the things that they do best are all there yeah. um, on Welcome to the Jungle so uh, that's my pick alright they're there now for your listening pleasure um, I, I'd love to hear feedback from our listeners I, I'm guessing there are a few folks uh, hearing us say things like this sounds dated or it makes me cringe are, are, are a little troubled by that. So but tell us why this still why this still rocks, why yeah. it's still worthy of yes. uh, a billion plays for one of its tracks. Uh, for uh, sure. We'd love to hear it. We've talked before about how something can be really successful and then become kind of a trope, uh, a musical character, a cultural caricature. We talked about listening to Prince's um, sign of the times. Yeah, and it sounded like video game yes. music because yes. it became so popular and then was used yeah. uh, in the next five, ten years. So it became kind of something else. And I wonder if that's why some of this bugs me. Some of it just seems so cliche. The way mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. the guitars are used, the drums are used, the way he uses his voice just really gets on my nerves sometimes. And I don't think that necessarily means that it's bad, but or or I don't like it because it's bad. But I think that some of this became so popular for the next five years that, that it, there's so much of yeah. it. Um, 
And then sometimes when that happens, you have, and if you listen to uh, alt-rock music in the 90s, it's a total 180 from this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think some of that was rebellious to, oh my gosh, all we hear is this stupid glam rock yeah. from the 80s, weirdom. And, you know, you think of the grunge music in the early 90s, Nirvana and other bands, it is so different from this and and is darker and is uh uh harder and um not quite as bright and in your face um and and touches on some of these issues but not necessarily in a, a boastful way but in a in a more uh, somber and negative tone yeah uh, in a more reflective way like look at look at all these horrible things that have happened in my life because of X, Y, and Z, uh, or these things that my parents did or the things I went through as a kid or, you know, my broken family or whatever. So I I think about that too. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's just so many things that, that irk me, (laughs) but, but that's, but I asked the same question that you asked. There are many people who absolutely adore yeah. this who grew up with this who who will who will you know live and die by it and yeah i, I would love you know we i asked around a few people um who i think j- just personalities weren't as interested in in co-hosting with this but i know people who are i think in the kind of 10 years older than we are who really really love this yeah. a yeah. lot uh 10 to 15 years is kind of uh, you're right the gen x are just just absolutely uh really resonating with this and being very nostalgic. Yeah. So, so then, I mean, I think that moves us into the question we always ask, what, mm-hmm. what is its relevancy, uh, Mike, for you? Hmm. <sighs> <laughs> Big sigh. <laughs> well, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. My, uh, my original comment a year and a half ago was it's only relevant for aging rockers. Um, uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's a, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I think, I mean, rock and roll is not dead by any means. And although, you know, in 2022, there are so many different types of music and so many different types of rock, I still think going to a live show, going to a live hard rock show and think about all the bands who have done tours in the last few years, Guns N' Roses, uh, Iron Maiden, um, all the uh, Metallica, all these hard rock bands who are selling out tours, all these fans who are in their fifties and sixties and forties, you know, who saw them when they were younger going out again and paying big money. Like it's still, (laughs) it's still popular I don't think it's as popular with the new crowd, but as we said before, the people who are, you know, in their 50s, 60s now who are well off, they're still banned. Yeah. They still like it. And so I think it is relevant, but not as I, I think that the the Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and a lot of that stuff has become relevant to a young generation again. I don't know that this has as much, I think a little bit, but um, I, I'm going to say yes and no, depending on where you are. Mm. Kind of a cop-out answer, but yeah, might be some truth there. So I'm remembering the story about when you played uh, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit for your youngest child and uh, the sort of like, just like, you know, their eyes got really big and, uh, you know, enjoyed that, uh, that kind of nostalgic, 
uh, 90s sound. I'm guessing that would happen as well for Welcome to the Jungle or some of the like really higher energy songs here. So I guess I'm saying all that to say there's probably something about the tempo and the well, and as we've already mentioned, the vocals, the guitar, the bass, the yeah. quality here that that makes it a really good like 80s hard rock uh, touchstone for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what you said about some of the the, the bands touring right now too. So I, I don't know. I'm almost coming around. I, I started this evening feeling like uh, this was going to be uh, slightly nostalgic, but kind of a yawn. And now I'm wondering if maybe there is something a little bit more relevant <laughs> here now than <laughs> I thought. Um, yeah. Did you get a chance to play this for your kids? I did. I, you know, I, at dinner tonight, I said, okay, blind reaction, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm going to play you the opening track to the album we're reviewing tonight. I won't tell you what it is. Uh, your mom knows what it is. I already know that she hates it, so never mind her. Uh, so I played it, and, you know, it starts with kind of the, you know, the the guitar and the sirens and the kind of screaming, and then gets into the dan 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 And uh, my daughter, who's 13... Uh, kind of rolling, kind of rolling her eyes, going, "Okay," <laughs> and and uh, my youngest Asher uh, actually started singing along. Oh, wow! <laughs> Said, "You know this? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. What do you think? That's all right." <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I think Lily said, uh, "Is this Guns and Roses?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "Okay." You know, it wasn't like. Uh, wasn't horribly disgusted, but also uh, <laughs> not overly. This is not Lily's style. Asher uh, does like this kind of stuff a little more. I think after a few bars was like, okay. But, you know, as you were saying that, and and as I'm thinking to their reaction, certainly my youngest reaction to this type of music and um, uh, Nirvana, uh, this this is exciting music. Yeah, It's yeah. fast paced. Yeah. It's, uh, it's loud. It's in your face. It's got, you know, crazy guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, you know, it's right there for you. Uh, and if you have any interest in any of those things, then you're probably going to yeah. like it. <laughs> yep. I mean, yep. 30 million purchases uh, can't be totally wrong, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the, it, um, I could certainly see it tracking for some but uh compared to especially the music my kids are into and and maybe a lot of kids their age you know this is so different um just a a different stratosphere almost but but asher asher my younger uh would gravitate more towards the 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 classic rock sound gets into uh actually we just recently watched uh this is a different totally different style but recently watched uh, the last waltz together oh the girls were having a movie night, so I said, uh, I want to watch a movie. Do you want to watch The Last Waltz with me? What's that? What's well, a concert and movie about the band? Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, That's yeah. Sweet. Oh, that'd be interesting. So that so uh, Asher will get into kind of some of the music I'm into and, and the rock a little more than Lily will, uh, which which is fine. Um, so, But still, yeah, it's just, it was a little much, I think. A little much for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah well what about the ranking Um, then number 62 and holding strong well you know if you if you but if you told me okay we're doing this list we you know 
And let's pretend for a moment, stretch the imagination, that it's not just a voting system, that the editors, I know, I know, that the editors had some influence (laughs) in the ranking. And you want to include a representation from kind of that uh, 80s hairband glam rock. I mean, Guns N' Roses is one of the first things that comes to mind for me. Uh-huh. That, uh, you know, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue. And if I were to rank them and rank some of the albums, I think Appetite would be right up yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. uh, I think, and I'm just scanning through the list and the 61 albums we've done so far, I don't see rock and roll from the 80s. No. I I see some things from the 80s, some yep. you know, we've got uh Michael Jackson um Talking Heads, which is very different. Uh, Prince? Yeah. A couple of Prince albums from the 80s, but again is is very different than this. Yep. Uh I don't really see that kind of glam rock hair hair rock. No. So, um if this is the highest ranked one of those at 62 and at 30 million copies, yeah, you know, even just the success of this, uh-huh. I think, uh, warrants it being this high, if not a little higher, because yeah. again, it's, it's a very iconic, well-known, well-received, beloved, long-standing album. Yeah. So why wouldn't it be this higher, higher? So I don't have a problem with it. 62. I think if I liked it more personally, I probably wanted a lot higher, um, <laughs> which is kind of an obvious, was an obvious statement, yeah, yeah, but yeah. considering, yeah. I mean, think about, I mean, we've praised the list for this, but think about how many hip hop albums are, uh, we've discussed already. Yeah. And that's, you know, spanning maybe 20 years. Right. Uh, but this kind of, Heavy metal, kind of rock, hard rock. It's a lot of successful albums in a same time period, you know, maybe from 1980 to 2000. Uh, And this is kind of the first one. So uh, in some ways, you can say that style of rock is underrepresented. Uh, So as much as it's not my cup of tea, um, I I do think a list should be balanced. I, I guess I find myself wondering, similar to when we talked about Nirvana, if this as a subgenre is going to have longevity. Now, I, I don't necessarily think that longevity equals greatness, but mm-hmm. I don't think grunge is going to be like it'll be looked back to as influential, but I don't think people are going to be trying to recreate the grunge sound in another 20 years. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I also don't really Mm. think that this sound is going to be something people strive for in another 20, 30 years. Um, And and again, I could be wrong about that too. I do think people will continue to make rap and hip hop uh, and that genre will continue to Mm. evolve. And I think that the more classically sounding rock music uh that came just before this will continue to be made um right and maybe just after this too the some of the the more rock alternative that came out of the 90s i think almost has a better chance of being reproduced than and some of this hair metal stuff so right i don't know there's this weird that is playing with my uh emotions here a little bit uh and mm. i know i felt like nevermind was ranked a little high and i'm feeling like that for this album as well um 
Okay. Probably for that reason. I really agree with <laughs> with what you said. And uh, so, I, yeah, I have a hard time saying this. But I think, yeah, um, I think there is something about this that feels a little high to me. Um, okay. I, uh, I was curious, you know, we talked about this era of music. And uh, just looking at our list resorted by year, um, it, it, it kind of stands out even for 1987 in terms of uh, the music. There's a Def Leppard album that, that maybe would be considered a peer. Um, but even the other rock music there, R.E.M., U2, uh, George Michael, Bruce Springsteen, those are very different sounding yeah. uh, rock music. So maybe maybe you're right. You're onto something in that this genre was kind of already <laughs> dying when it came out. Um mm. Hmm. even as good as it was uh um yeah fascinating to to see that that this interesting peaked and maybe then also helped kill (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, a a genre yeah yeah yeah. and you know there were many successful bands but i don't know that they necessarily uh appear on this list even Um, yeah yeah anyways uh yeah uh, interesting And, and again i think uh Another album that's a little bit out of our element. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I hesitate to say too much yep. because I, I don't have as much experience about this band or the genre and there's there's lots of people who love it. Yeah. So um, uh, that just about wraps up our conversation about Appetite for Destruction. Uh, we always ask, are there any more albums by this artist on the list? In this case, uh, no. Oh. This is the only... The only album by Guns N' Roses. Uh, they had a, a few other successful albums, but this is the only one on the list. Uh, any iteration of the list. So, yep. uh, just like our last album, which was also from 1987, <laughs> uh, we say hello and goodbye to uh, Guns N' Roses uh, all at once. Yep. That's about all I have to say about that. That's a that's a Forrest Gump reference. <laughs> um, so thank you for joining us again for another review. We've got another new review coming up for you next time. Yeah. Uh, ben, what do we got coming up here? We're going to get in the time machine and go back a decade to 1977. Um, this time we're, we're getting on our, we're getting out our boating shoes and we're hopping on the yacht to, uh, to get some, <laughs> some steely Dan in the mix here. Um, I think the <laughs> album is titled Aja. Right, because there's it's a title track. There's a there's a track where they say Aja, but it, I guess it could also be Aha uh, if you pronounce the J as a <laughs> as a soft H. But um, I think in the song is pronounced Asia. Asia. Oh man, I didn't even get it right, and I even knew that there was a, a song. Anyway, Asia. We'll, but, hopefully, but you we'll know figure what? that when out I first, by the next time we, we yeah. Record. When I first read it, I wasn't <laughs> sure, but I think, uh, and I think you corrected me on another one. Um, another time, you know, it's like, oh, why didn't I just listen to the track? But yes, yeah. uh, I think it's Asia, Asia, Asia. By Dan. I'm listening to it now. Asia. Asia. So yeah, yeah, Good. Asia, A J A, by Steely Dan. Yep. Um, until then, we hope you continue to be well. We hope you take care of yourselves and those around you, and certainly, we hope you'll join us next time right here on Sound Logic Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Keep your stick on the ice. (laughs) 
That's good. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.